0: Good morning. Good morning, youth. So how do you do it in the youth room? Do you go, "Ah!" what's that? Enoch does. Behave yourself, okay? So we are so thankful for our church. We've been going, what, 30, into our 32nd year. God is just God's pretty cool, and uh, what he's done and what he's doing, we want to celebrate that. We want to worship the Lord, give him the glory of all that he's doing, but he is not done yet with Calvary Chapel South, or at least that's what it looks like to me, right? So if you can come tonight, please do. If you're brand new, come, because you'll get a feel for the church up close and personal. We talk a lot about a lot of different things that have gone on, what we are looking forward to in 2022, should the Lord tarry. Now, if God decides to come back, we're okay with that, right? Okay, we're. So please, if you can, come. Also, today is the last Sunday for filling out these prayer requests, and we'll be praying over them. We already are, actually, uh, the ones that have already been turned in. So at our prayer meeting on Saturday morning, which are two, actually, there's one in person, there's one on Zoom. These are divided up among us, and we all individually are praying over them. Last year, we prayed over them 10 times. I'm thinking it's going to be more this year. But if, so if you fill that out, it's in the chair in front of you. Just fill one of these out. What prayer do you have? You can put two, three in there. What What are you looking for God to do uh, in your life? What's some need you have? We will pray for it, and you will be being prayed for uh, this coming year. So fill it out. And by the way, if you don't fill it out, then I'm sorry. Just, you're not going to be prayed for. <laughs> it doesn't count unless it's in the bowl. Okay. No. If you're new, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right here we go and by the way too this bowl was made by david zilverberg from the clear maple hardwood that was on the floor in here this used to be a gym with racquetball courts so we tore it all up we put it we sold it actually cleaned it up and sold it but then david took some and made a bowl uh, two of these bowls now the reason that's significant is because in revelation chapter 5 there are these golden bowls i have no idea what that kind of means but they're, they get emptied and they are the prayers of the saints. So somehow God keeps track of these things and he's going to pour them out. And I think the main, pr- maybe the main prayer that Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're coming to. So Exodus 18, would you stand? I'm going to read just the first five verses. We're going to go through Psalm 33, verses 1 through 12, as a responsive reading, and then we'll get into the text. So here we are Exodus 18, I'm in the New King James Version. Uh, whatever you have um, may be a little different, but we're in the word of God, amen? And we believe the word of God is central to everything we're doing. So in Jethro, Exodus 18, 1, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. With her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, "I have been a stranger in a foreign land." And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, "The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh." And Jethro, Moses's father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord, which is what we're talking about this morning. I'm going to read the first and odd if you would read the second together and even verses. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Lord, He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations So Lord we thank you thank you thank you that we serve the living God that you've given to us your word that we might hear from you the living God And Lord we know that you are good you are gracious you love us, you've called us into this relationship with you through Jesus to know the only true God. So we stand in awe, even as in the psalm, we stand in awe of you, Lord. We offer to you our hearts and our minds right now as you would give us the word by your Holy Spirit, search us, teach us, instruct us, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. All that i prepared, Lord, break it fresh now for us, feed us, we're hungry for you. We're hungry, we're thirsty, we want to know you and live for you. Please bless this time now in your word, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So the book of Exodus is the story of God rescuing the children of Israel from Egypt and forging a special relationship with them. The book gets its name from the nation of Israel's mass emigration from Egypt, But that's only the first part of the story. This book follows Israel out of Egypt into the desert where the nation is specifically aligned with God, unquote. So the book of Exodus is pictures for us to apply to our life as believers redeemed by the blood of the Lamb out of the world and into this thing called Christianity, into our faith whereby we're living our lives Under God's authority, He's our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. He's our Savior, and all the things that come in. So, how does what does that look like? We're seeing it here in Exodus as believers. So, we looked at "I will take you as my people," verses one through uh, chapters one through twelve. "I will be your God." This is the last study in this section of Exodus as outlined. He said, "I will be your God." Is that cool or what? I'm going to be your God. That's what He wants. God our strength, God glorious in power, God is present to heal your life, he is present to receive from him, God is the initiator, we are the responders, God gives, we receive, and in receiving the things that he's given to us, beginning at salvation, forgiveness, he gives to us freedom to live our lives for him, apart from all the entanglements of sin, of the world and all the opposition that we face against the forces of darkness. So he is present to receive him. He is present to test your heart. That's the good thing about God. He tests us. Why? To prove us, to surface all the impurities and make us refined as gold is refined in a furnace. That's what God does. and He does it very well. Last week, God's presence in prayer And we've been praying all week, and I appreciate you praying with us for our church. We're just asking God to please bless Calvary Chapel South. So we we started out with the church. What's the church on Monday? Two, the Holy Spirit. Three, we talked about the Word of God. Four, our fellowship together. And then we talked about prayer as last week, and we were praying and and fasting and praying. And I, I would remind you, please, as you sit down for a meal... I got this from my pastor Chuck in Costa Mesa. When you sit down for a meal, just make it one of your regular prayers. Lord, please bless Calvary Chapel South. Bless them. Bless us. And then, so now God's presence in person. I had another, I was going to call it God's presence in people. But then as I'm reading, and there's one thing, I want to go somewhere this morning, a little bit, jump ahead in Moses' life. And talk about something that I, I'm still mulling over as far as this idea of our relation, this, this face-to-face relationship that Moses had with God. So in Exodus chapter 33, it says in verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I mean, he's being equipped right now, Joshua is. But this whole idea that he spoke to him face to face as to a friend, this relationship that Moses had with God was incredible. And so in Numbers chapter 12, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were in face of the earth. I find that kind of chuckle because Moses wrote this. (laughs) Now Kevin was more humble (laughs) But in reality, you know who wrote it? The Holy Spirit. And it's true about Moses. Go on, verse 4. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. I gotta talk to you. So the three came out, then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. You picture him? Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? We're talking about God saying, what are you doing? Now, in Deuteronomy, the Lord. now this is Moses now speaking to the people. Then the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountain. So Moses became the intermediary for God to the people. So what strikes me is this whole idea of face-to-face relationship that God had with Moses. And it's God who said it, and it's God who initiated it. So Moses is a special, unique human being that God said, I'm going to use your life, and I'm going to speak to you face-to-face as with a friend. I'm going to speak to you face-to-face plainly. It's exclusively personal between Moses and God. It's the expression of a deep, deep intimacy between them, in person, face-to-face. It is powerful in its impact, in how Moses, and you know, this is, this is new musings for me, if you will, but I start thinking particularly in context of what we've been going through, That our face is unique. And in person and face to face is powerful. It's powerful. So Jacob had the same experience of this face to face with the angel, God. And he's wrestling with God. And he says, I'm going to call it Penny. I've seen God face to face. And you know what happened in his life? At that moment, he's running from Esau, he's scared. God's promises certain things, and he goes over the Jabbok. he puts all of his family separate, he goes over the Jabbok. and there he's alone with God, face to face. And you know what God did? He crippled him. That he might bless him spiritually. You used to be called Jacob face-to-face, conniver, the deal-maker, but no more. (sighs) You're going to be Israel, which means governed by God. Now, Jacob's experience with this intimacy was through wrestling with God and working things out with God. But it brought up to that same place of intimacy and uniqueness and specialness. And God called it face-to-face. And so I've been thinking, you know, this whole idea of face-to-face. The expression, the face is huge in in expressing our souls to one another. It's huge. So face-to-face speaks of this. Openness, this vulnerability, this fullness of disclosure. No shadows, no agendas. Nothing to hide. As a friend, Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because everything that I've heard from the Father, I told you. Moses, I talked to him as a friend. No hiding, no agendas. Now, it's interesting that when Moses was up on the mountain, he said, show me your glory. And God said, no one can see my face and live. So I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to cover you. It's beautiful. I'm going to let you see my afterglow. I'm going to just pass by you. And I believe, as believers in this life, we're seeing the afterglow. But one day we shall see him face to face. And get this. God has a face in Jesus Christ. He became human. And we shall see him face to face. And the intimacy that's there for that the depth of relationship that's there for us begins in the afterglow, which is this now we have this relationship by the Holy Spirit. But one day, we shall see him fully God, there in glory. And John said, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as one had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. The Holy Spirit, I believe that's the full, the Holy Spirit sent out to minister and draw us into this intimacy with God in person and face to face through Christ. Now, you talk about something that's absolutely incredible, that we can have a relationship intimate with God, the eternal God. I say, Yeah. It's incredible. So Moses in the Old Testament experienced this kind of thing that we have right now for us in the New Testament through Christ. face to In person, face to face through the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, he closes, for now we see a mirror dimly, but then what? Face to face. There's gonna be this Nothing. Nothing ever. Nothing hid. It's full disclosure. Full. Nothing in the way of our relationship with God. As image bearers, we were made for in person, face to face relationship. We were made for that. It's where expressions are seen. Where, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Where tones are heard. Where thoughts are sorted through and understood. Because our face is the expression more than just words can ever communicate, it's where our hearts are healed. It's in relationship, in person, face to face. It's where hope is restored, in person, face to face. Moses had that with God. No wonder he sustained God, it sustained him through the worst of things. I mean, the people of God put him through torment. Even Miriam, his sister, Aaron, his brother. Well, you think, well, what do you think? What do you think? He said, I'm the most humble man in the world. No. <laughs> who you, you're the only one who's talking? No, we're, no. Moses was simply communicating his God who called him to lead. That's what he was doing. And what God took him to. I believe the, the intimacy that he had with God is what sustained him. And may I say this morning, the intimacy we have with God is what's going to sustain us. In person, face to face, the Word of God open, we've been praying about that this week. Trusting the Holy Spirit, we've been praying about that this week. The church, we've been praying about it. our communication. And then when that's happening for us, we are commissioned to preach the gospel. We're a commissioned people. We are a kingdom people. We're watching and waiting for the return of our Savior Jesus when we see Him face to face. Again, I say, have at it, Lord. Do it. In person and face-to-face is the power of the full expression of relationship that goes deeper. That's what it is. It's the expression of the soul that longs for God and longs for relationship. I, you know, in this intimacy with God, it translates to intimacy with one another. And as that's happening, we're looking forward to another time face-to-face and in person. And to apply this, many of you already have. What's happened through the covering of the face? Isolation, separation, a lot of things going on. We've experienced what that's like. I want to apply that to our relationship with God. No mask, nothing. We just have this relationship of intimacy because of Jesus Christ, Him crucified, buried, risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God, and we one day will see Him. And that's our hope, is it not? That's our hope, not only as being being believed, but as commissioned to share the fact in our prayer meeting last night because yesterday was on, we're commissioned to preach the gospel. The prayer, many of the, the threads of prayer that came up through that hour were, Lord, help us to be aware of your presence in every encounter I have with another human being. Help me aware that you are with me, in person. And so when I meet a stranger, God's there. And God's always working on both ends of the deal, okay? The relation. When you meet someone, God hasn't sort of put you there and he has, no, God's been working. And in commission to preach the gospel, we have the answers that people are searching for. And they're looking to us for the answers. And our answer is not us. It's us in Christ. a relationship with God. So we were praying that in several times it came up, Lord, help us to be aware of the divine appointments, which everyone is. Help us to be aware of your presence with my children, my grandchildren. Help us to be aware of your presence with my wife, my husband. Help me to be a present for me to be aware that you're with me when I'm with friends and talking to my friends. He is there. Believe it or not. But we need to believe it. And know that that's what God's doing. He is present there with us. Online communication. I am so thankful for Technology. Caden's new on staff. He's been equipped with, you're going to see some of his artistic tonight. I I appreciate technology. I appreciate we can be online even this morning. I appreciate all that. It's been powerful and I'm, I'm thankful for it. It's opened up windows of opportunity like crazy. But they're windows. Online communication is a window into your world, into my world, as I would have it be. That's what happens as I make it. But in person, face to face, that interaction is not a window, it's a door to let others in and to be let out. To let others in to know them, it's let us out to be known. Someone said to know another and to be known by another is everything. And it is. We were created for relationship. God made us relational, not digital. You with me? So my heart, there's a lot of things that probably come up in your mind with thinking this, thinking that. But my main Thought this morning, and when I'm thinking about Moses and this chapter, because Moses goes on with Jethro to get counsel and all these things, and yet Moses had this relationship with God that was incredible, and yet in his relationship with Jethro, God was speaking through Jethro to Moses. And our greatest need is to know and be known. Relationship. It lets us out, let others in to love, and let us out to be loved. There's a vulnerability that is so healthy in relationship that's built on in-person and face-to-face with the love of God. So my, it, we get in the chapter. Again, the thought when I was reading this and I went with it. Moses has this incredible relationship with God and yet that didn't negate his need to have a relationship with others. And his family, Jethro's father-in-law comes, so there's this family reunion. And a a background to what's happening here as, as Jethro's bringing Zipporah and his two sons is in Exodus chapter four. After the burning bush, we've studied this, in Exodus chapter four, verse 18, it says this, so Moses went, sees the burning bush, chapter three, Moses went, returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. So he gets this visit with God. He's telling his father, now let me go back to Egypt. Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Jump to verse 24. It came to pass on the way at the encampment heading to Egypt, wife, kids, heading to Egypt, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, that really ruined your vacation for sure. (laughs) Then Zipporah took a a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let... So he let him go. Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So apparently, Zipporah didn't like this whole idea of circumcision. But there's much more going on here in the heart of Zipporah. She, she didn't want to do it. And it no doubt had been a problem in their, in their marriage. So God's going, who, how's he going to kill him? I don't know, sickness or something. But Zipporah then, I believe, we don't, we don't find her in Egypt. She returned home. And Moses went on. So they were separated. At this point. Their sons. Gershom. I'm a stranger. Eleazar. God is my help. Now. He had said to Moses. I. I. Your your father. So. Jethro sends word to Moses. He's coming with his wife and children. I your father-in-law. I'm coming with to you with wife and your two sons. Verse six. So. Seven now. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. Bowed down. And kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. So here He comes. Obviously, there's a lot of respect going on here between these two men. No doubt, Jethro a lot older. They've been, as Jethro and Zipporah have been apart for probably about a year. And so they've been separated. Now, the end was over a problem. And so the thought that comes to mind is problems must be worked out. We all know that. And separation sometimes is a needed buffer. It's healthy. But if we're really going to resolve those things, it has to be done together, in face, person to person. So this relationship with Moses' father, Moses told his father all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for, for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. So then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians, verse 10. And Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater in all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them, the gods of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father, took a burnt offering and, offered sa- and other sacrifice to offer to God. I mean, this is intimate. This is Moses, Jethro, and God. And as Jethro's giving his, te- Moses giving his testimony, you know, there's nothing in relationship, there's nothing like a listening ear where we can tell our story. And that's what Moses is doing. This is what God did over the last year. This is what happened. And Jethro's rejoicing. There's great respect. There's a receptivity here in relationship with each other. And he takes his burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Moses had been through a lot in a year. I mean, we're talking a lot. And he's telling now his testimony. That is powerful. It's the testimony of Moses in person and face-to-face with God. Here's what God did. And so he's on the other side of it now. He's telling him the story. Our stories are as unique as our faces. And what God has done in our lives is what is so powerful soul to soul. They overcame in Revelation, they overcame the devil by what? The blood of the lamb and their word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto death and it was a relationship with God. Eventually we all die. Eventually that's going to happen but God is not dead. He's alive. And so he took this burnt offering He's on the other side of it. And then it says here, this is the counsel of Jethro to Moses. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. There's lines of people. So when Moses' father in saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why, are you, why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? So there's this line. How many of you like lines? And Moses said to his father, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between the one and the other. And I make known the statute of God and the laws. Moses' father said to him, the thing you do is not good. (laughs) Hey, Mo, this is not good. Now, you might think, well, Moses... Why didn't you recognize that? He didn't. And he's doing what he feels must be done. He's doing the best that he can. And we all know these stories. We're doing the best we can hard work, labor. And then it starts to sort of steamroll. Jethro intervenes with three personal observations, with six practical directives, and then with four words of encouragement. And I look at those three things and say, personal observation. Why? Why are, you, why are you going to say what you're saying? Here's what I've seen. Here's what i observe. Practical directives. Here's what I think would help. Here's what I think you should do. And then the final one to me is key that I've learned more than ever this last year and a half. We need encouragement. Because life is hard. And we get into ruts, and we get into lines, and we get into all these things. And Jethro ends with encouragement to Moses. Let's read these. The observations. Both you and these people, verse 18, who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. <laughs> How many of you are worn out this morning? Yeah. You're going to wear yourself out, Mo. This thing, number two, this thing is too much for you. You can't do it alone. You can't. Three, you are not able to perform it by yourself. You need help. You need support. It's interesting. it's coming right off when Moses, Aaron and her were holding up his hands, supporting him in prayer. This is the practical side of doing what God called him to do. Now, these six practical directives, verse 19, "Listen now to my voice, I will give you counsel, and God will be with you." So yeah, I believe this is from God. Number one, stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. You stand there and you bring them to God. You pray, you hear, you pray, you hear, you pray. Number two, teach them the test statutes and the laws. In other words, teach them to the fish. Teach them what, what God said so they can learn that personally. Number three, show them the way which they, which they must walk and the work they must do. Be an example. Be an example. The council. And then verse 21. Moreover you shall number four. Select from all the people able men. Such as fear God. Men of truth. Hating covetousness. This is important. We understand this. Paul speaking to Timothy and Titus. Saying a bishop must be these. And he begins just to list off character qualities. Character traits. That must be proven before put into leadership. And then place such over them to be rulers of thousands. Hundreds. Hundreds. 50s and 10s. So when you look at your leadership, know what God has given this person the capacity to oversee and put them there. Character first and then put them. And then number six, and let them judge the people at all times. In other words, you get out of it. Let them do it. Give it to them. And then these four personal encouragements. I love this one. Number one, it'll be easier for you. How many would like it to be easier? I want to tell you something, Moses. You do this, it's going to be easier for you. God is not a hard taskmaster. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will have rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. God wants to empower us to do what He's called us to do and have the wisdom to understand when other people need to be doing it. In fact, is in Galatians it says we all have a burden to bear we have a responsibility from God but then we and we bear one another's burdens but then there are those things that we must bear ourselves as God-given responsibilities that we shouldn't be saying you should do this no we should do it I should do it because God told me to do it he called me to do it he gave me a responsibility I'm going to fulfill that responsibility then he says number two, first of all it'd be easier it's in neck 3 they will bear the burden with you you'll you'll understand teamwork He'll understand what it means to have relationship and leadership and see, and I am so thankful. More than I can say for our team here at Calvary Chapel, our staff. We have a beautiful culture that has taken time in relationships to build it, to work at it. And I want to say to you, Garrett, I shout you out this morning. Because you have been instrumental. God's gifted you and called you to help us with this. And our team has been, is gifted. And, and we have this wonderful thing called staff. I am enjoying ministry today more than I ever have. Because of the relationships. And it's not, we've always had, I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. We've always had, I believe, healthy team, healthy staff. But it changes over the years. It changes. And new people come, and some don't work, and some fit. But in all, all those matters, what God wants is a relationship between us. that's face to face and in person. Every Thursday morning from 9.30 to 10.45, we have what I call Team Chapel. That's my time. <laughs> and I don't agenda it. I, I just say, we're going to get together. We're going to Somebody's going to bring some word for us. We're going to share together. Wherever the Holy Spirit will take it, we're going to pray. I want to tell you, I look forward to that as I do the prayer meeting on Saturday mornings. Because that's what God's into. It'll be easier for it, and you'll be with each other. You'll have this understanding of a team. In fact, we have a team acronym. Great teams trust each other. Great teams energize each other. Great teams appreciate each other. And great teams maximize each other. Now, my son Trevor. I know he's listening. I think my son... They have this whole idea of this whole wonderful theme, which I think he got from someone. That family is a team. We're on the same team. You're on the same team. So we're in this thing together, like it or not. We're in it together. We're a team. So it's going to be. They're going to bear the burden with you. And chapter 18, verse 23, he says, "You will be able to endure." The context of endurance is within relationship with others. Where we're walking alongside each other. We're a team. We're working hard. We're doing what we do. We understand there are things that I can and there are things I can't do. We understand there are others that are gifted differently than I. All those things. And then he says there, you will be able to endure. And the endurance that we need is relationship that's face-to-face and in person. That encourages us and strengthens us. All these people will also go to their place. In peace. (laughs) The people are going to be happy. The people aren't going to be standing in line. I hate lines. Do you hate lines? (laughs) And then you got, you know, you come down here for a prayer meeting on Wednesday night or Thursday night, I think it was. No, actually it was Friday night. And you're coming down Central Avenue and you make the left on Meeker. And what's there? A train. (laughs) I mean, a train at rush hour. I mean, who's scheduling the train? I'm going to a prayer meeting. Come on. And it wasn't just a train train. It's a long train. Chung, chong chong. I'm going. <laughs> I am pathetic. I'm telling you. But we don't like lines. We're not like standing there. But man, when the freeway's open, I got peace. How about you? I mean, I'm walking in peace, man. Just let me take that, I don't even need the carpool lane. There's nobody on the road. That's why a lot of my motivation, I come in really early because there's no traffic. And I only live 10 minutes away. That's not in my notes, but I have no idea I got there. And so verse 24, Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. He did it. He took the counsel of Jethro. As from God. And Jethro even said. Hey if this is of God. You do it. Which is an important point in counsel. In the word of God. Don't believe what Kevin tells you. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians book of Acts. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So God, what are you saying? I'm hearing. I'm here. And then they went home and searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. Does it line up with scripture? Because you see, counsel, whenever we're giving counsel, if it doesn't line up with scripture, I don't care. I don't want it. And this counsel that he gives, he says he takes it, he does it. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way to his own land. We need wise counsel in relationship with people. We need that. A lot of Proverbs scriptures to talk about a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel we need to be learners a learner is a leader and a leader is a learner whatever we've been given to lead any area we have we have to remain learners Moses was a learner Jethro was a learner the psalmist contrasts the counsel of, the, of God the word of God with the ungodly how many of you are taking our CCS training program how many have taken it? What's the scripture we're memorizing? Psalm 1. Here I go. See if you can keep up. <laughs> Bl- I can read it. You can't. You got to memorize it. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counseling the godly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the... But his delight is in... You're reading it too. You're cheating. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> his delight in law. And in his law, he meditates... And he shall be like a planted where by the rivers of water, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives. There is no substance to ungodly lives. There's no fruitfulness as far as a relationship with God and what comes from it in an ungodly life. It's like chaff. It's useless. It's blown away. But the man, the godly man, the one who listens to godly counsel, understands that unless it passes the test of Scripture, I'm not listening. But when it does, I'm all ears, because the Bible says that in this council of the Word of God, we are like planted; leaf doesn't wither. Whatsoever we do shall prosper. I'm getting excited, because that's what we do every Sunday. That's what we're praying about this week for our church. If it doesn't line up to Scripture, then I'm not interested. It must pass. In other words. Must pass the approval of God. Now in Philippians it says. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by what? Let your requests. Be made known to God. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? And the peace. Yeah. I thought I had that right. (laughs) And the peace of God. Will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He is saying that the peace of God will stand like a soldier over your heart. And when I think of the decisions that I make and the things I'm thinking about and the counsel I'm receiving, one major factor is I have peace. And I tell people, I say, the peace is God's go. I may not know what that's coming, but I'm praying about this, that, the other thing, and it could be this, it could be that, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, what is it, what is it? And giving God time to speak into my life, giving God time in the scriptures to read and pray and talk and counsel and speak to people, and then in having to make, in fact, James says, if we ask and doubting, we're like double-minded. At some point, God the Holy Spirit will bring us a peace, And we can make the decision and trust him in it. But if we're not making a decision, we're like that unstable, it's unstable. God, do you believe that God can lead us and counsel and tell us and give us direction? Obviously, he can. He wants to. But he's chosen, listen, he's chosen relationship to take us in the path of directive. So... When it comes to my relationship with people, God has infused into my life different relationships by which I can begin to discern his, intimate, his love for me, his intimacy for me. But not only that, then the expression outwardly with people. That's, why, that's how he's got it wired. We need God in person, face to face, and we need each other in person and face to face. I've said this often, but as long as that vertical axis with God is is where it should be, the horizontal axis with everyone else begins to be blessed by it. But the minute this gets off, so does this. Relationship. God created us for relationship. And Jesus told us That we, the the center of everything that's going on is our relationship with him. It's with him. So may the Lord help us in being aware that God is with us. And that as a believer, God is in us. And this relationship of intimacy, face to face, in person, is in Christ. And then with each other, it's because of Christ in us. And in that, I have experienced it. An Intimacy comes into your life, to my life, that's hopeful and healing and strengthening and encouraging. And I, I believe the Lord this morning, my heart was, was to me personally, in person, face to face, makes all the difference. All the difference in what's going on in our lives. And when that's hindered for whatever reason, when that's curtailed for whatever reason, it begins to undermine the security and assurance and peace and joy. It comes only when it's face to face in person. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. We're going to ask Sophia to come out and we'll close in a worship song. So, Lord, I thank you for this word this morning to my heart and to us. As we look at Moses and Jethro and all these characters in the Bible, they all point us again, all back to you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You who began the good work will complete it. You who know all things knows us. You who sees all things sees us. You who has charge over all things is also has the same over us. So, Lord, we're asking that we might see you. That we might see you, Lord. Who you are for all that you are. Please. And then, Lord, a prayer horizontally. We've been robbed. We look at what's gone on. We've been robbed. We've had to endure, Lord. A lot of isolation, separation, all these things. But we look to you, we pray to you, we seek you, Lord, that in the relationships that we do have with one another, you would bless them, draw us to you as we draw each to you, close to you and to each other. I pray that. I pray that over our church. We pray that as we're having our focus. Lord, may we be those people that are so intimately known by you and knowing you. That you can take our lives and bless this world in which we live, please. In Jesus' name, let's worship him.